I'm Olympic and world champion diver, Laura Wilkinson, and this is the Pursuit of Gold podcast. Each week, we are unlocking the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual tools that help athletes reach their biggest goals in sports. Today's guest made history in Tokyo this summer, becoming the first woman to medal in springboard diving at the Olympics since Kelly McCormick won bronze 33 years ago in Seoul, Korea in 1988. Krista Palmer made her first Olympic team this summer at the age of 29. And it's hard to say what was more heartwarming watching her. Was it seeing her stand on the podium with that bronze medal hanging proudly around her neck? Or was it watching her smile and giggle on that same podium while showing off her medal next to her Olympic ring? Her smile is infectious and her perseverance throughout her journey to get to that Olympic podium is absolutely inspiring. Krista opens up with us about her injuries that took her out of contention in the sport of trampoline. She tells us what it's like to start a brand new sport at the age of 20, and she walks us through her extraordinary adventure in Tokyo from a close call in the preliminary round to the very moment she realized that she had meddled. Listen close because Krista offers mindset tips all along the journey, and she shares with us her favorite way to process both the good and the bad so that she can keep coming back stronger. Before we jump into this episode, I want to tell you about my new book, Life at 10 Meters, Lessons from an Olympic Champion. It's a quick read, but it's packed with powerful messages that are relatable both in sports and life. From tweens to adults, everyone will benefit from this read. I would even encourage parents to read it with your kids as it'll provide great discussions on how you can face and overcome challenges in your life. If you'd like an autographed copy, just head on over to laurawilkinson.com slash book and make sure to fill out the little box telling me who you want me to sign that book to. That's laurawilkinson.com slash book, or you can grab a copy of Life at 10 Meters on Amazon in paperback or ebook. Just search for Life at 10 Meters in the Amazon search bar, or you can click the direct link in the show notes. If you're enjoying the Pursuit of Gold podcast, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review and share your favorite episodes with your friends. All right, I believe that there's gold in your future, so let's dive on into this episode. Krista Palmer, I am so excited to finally have you on the Pursuit of Gold podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited about it. Okay, we were just talking before we hit record that have you even realized what's happened to you this summer? You know, it's it's hit me. I think now I believe it a little bit more after watching uh, me my diving uh, on the TV and just rewatching it has kind of allowed me to believe it a little bit more, but still, I mean, it hasn't fully sunk in yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got to, got to get pinched quite a few times, I think. <laughs> That's right. Well, okay. So I know your journey is different from a lot of people's. I always thought I was a late starter into diving at 15, but you weren't even, you were 20 years old when you finally found your way to diving. So tell us a little bit about how you started in sports and what that journey was like before the diving side? Really, I picked up diving just for fun. At the time in my life, I had gone through a lot of injuries uh, with my previous sports of gymnastics and trampoline. And I've had three knee surgeries now up to this point and a couple other injuries along the way that, you know, have really... I guess, damage those other sports and uh, my hopes and dreams of being an Olympian in those sports. Because, you know, at the age of five, when I was young, I really, really had this 
dream, lifelong dream of being an Olympian one day and I guess bounce from one sport to the next and now to the next. And uh, it's been a journey, but you know, I, I had done gymnastics for seven years and I love that sport. I put my heart and my soul into it. I, you know, my parents drove me an hour to practices every day and an hour back home. And, you know, there were a lot of sacrifices on, on their part to, you know, give me the resources that I need to make sure that, you know, I could achieve the level of athletics that I had really hoped and dreamed of. And I'd had a knee injury that pushed me out of the sport. Actually, it took about a year to recover from that. And during that time, I grew a whole lot taller. (laughs) And so I tried to return to gymnastics with a whole new body. And that was really hard for me to do. And what was really cool at that time is we had a trampoline program that entered into our gym right at that time. And I, there was this one girl that I saw jumping on the trampoline and just watching her. And I was thinking like, that is so, so beautiful. And I love the trampoline ever since I was a gymnast, you'd always find me on the trampoline playing around, even though it's not a a sport in gymnastics, it was still something that I, you know, would sneak away and, and try to do every once in a while. And so, you know, I saw her and I just asked a lot of questions and I wanted to begin this sport like as soon as I saw it and heard about it. So for a while I I was doing both gymnastics and trampoline and you know, I I just found that my heart was really on the trampoline at that time and I really had just developed a new passion for a new sport and so I had made the the transfer to commit to trampoline as my full-time sport and I worked my way up I did it for 8 years and I was competing nationally and internationally with the sport of trampoline and and I loved it it was so great it was taking me all around the world but yet again, I'd had another knee injury and actually two more. Um, was it the same knee? Different knee. So now I'm on to my right knee. And so I had torn my ACL and a couple other tendons in there. And that really set me out of the sport again. But I mean, through all my injuries, my mindset coming out of them was to be stronger than I was before my injury. Because knowing that I wanted to come back and try to achieve more and uh, higher success in the sport, that I knew that that was the only thing that was stopping me and why I was getting all those injuries we put was because I wasn't strong enough for those sports. And so coming back from those injuries, I I pursued that just to be stronger than I was before. And it allowed me to come back to the sport many different times. And uh, one other time, I mean, it was really my career ending injury that it was right. It was about five days before I was going to world age group championships in Paris. And I was going to be competing for team USA. And I had done it yet again. I went flying off the trampoline. We have these index mats on the edge. And so I landed from full height, full bounce on one of those and tore my ACL again. My whole kneecap had shifted to the side. It was not not very fun to go through. Was it that, and that was the same knee that you had just recovered right. from? Right. Oh. Yes. And so that was, you know, heartbreaking for me because, you know, it happened yet again. And, you know, I think every athlete, when they have an injury, they 
really do come back with some sort of fear that it's going to happen again. And for me, it did, which was, it was heartbreaking. And, you know, I still got to go to Paris and I was Team USA's biggest cheerleader there. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I got to experience it, but, you know, I was starting to lose my passion because all these injuries are, are so hard mentally to come back from. And it was happening yet again. And so, Yeah. After that, I tried to make a comeback with trampoline and, you know, my body just wasn't handling it well. And so I just really, at that time, kind of took a step back and, you know, thought to myself, well, you know, I can always pursue education because sports are only some part of your life, but education is really what's going to give you, equip you for the rest of your life. And so I took a step back and I went to a community college down in Carson City, Nevada, and tried to pursue a little bit of my education. And I had a friend at that time know of diving. He was a great diver. We don't have a men's diving team at Nevada, but he happened to know my coach at the University of Nevada, Reno. Uh, her name is Jin Lee Yu, and she's unbelievable. I He told me to go go meet, meet the coach and just see what <laughs> she has to say. And, you know, this was after we played around in the pool and he was like, you got a little bit of talent there, girl. You got to try <laughs> to see what, what you can do in the diving world. And so that's, you know, when I began diving is at the age of 20 and I came onto her club, Nevada diving club team and tried it for a little bit. And she, she was watching what I could do on the trampoline and obviously trying to teach me some things in the water, but I needed a lot of work. (laughs) And that's actually the start of my diving career. And she asked me to be a walk-on student athlete for my college. And that meant I had to move my whole life up to Reno, but I think at that time I was really excited about this opportunity and to be able to transition into from a community college to now a university was a great opportunity for me. And as time went on, uh, she kept rewarding me and I became a full ride scholarship athlete for her. And, and now just the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool. I, I love your journey because it's not like everyone else's journey. And I think that's a, a beautiful thing, you know, and you've, you've learned different lessons along that way. And I have to ask, like, because as you went from gymnastics to trampoline, where there are a lot of similarities and you were sounding like even in the same gym and now there was some fear, you know, of maybe injury again toward the end there and you're switching to diving. Did the fear of more injuries ever cross your mind? Or were you like, this is different. It's not even a worry. Like, what, where was your head in that space? Coming into diving, um, Yeah. I mean, diving, I just knew was a little bit easier on my body. I'm not having to land feet first. All my injuries were all to my knees and and lower body at that time in my career. And so I was actually really grateful that, you know, I was now going into water and, you know, I, I coach a lot of divers and their, their fear is to smack and, hit the water wrong. And I, I'm always like, you know, at least it's not on the hard ground or at least you're not splitting the beam. You know, <laughs> for me, I think it was looking up in the sense of, you know, this sport is probably going to be easier on my body and I can still do it with the injuries that I've had. And so that kind of created a little bit of excitement and spark in me. And, you know, I think that was really the start. I I love, I started to love it. Uh, you know, I actually tried 
diving after I was a gymnast when I was 12. It only, it was only like a couple months that that lasted, but it was pretty hard for me to transition into diving from gymnastics because, you know, everything in gymnastics is power and strength. And, and then you come into diving and you try to use that power and strength on the springboard and just (laughs) the springboard fights back. (laughs) Right. We need patience. (laughs) Yes. You need patience and, you know, learning the rhythm of the springboard. And so that was all new to me. And, you know, coming from trampoline, then transitioning into diving was actually a lot easier for me because we I already had learned and and knew the aerial and spatial awareness and so that part came easy and on trampoline we do multiple flips and multiple twists and that is very much what diving is and trampoline is also a beautiful graceful uh, sport and so it's been really cool to carry that into my diving career and you know I think for a lot of People seeing me um, in diving now with my background of trampoline really know that there's a lot of potential to bring trampoline athletes into diving and, and have great success. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, we've had a few trampolinists transition into diving and they have been amazing. Matthew Mitchum, who won the gold in 2008 is one example. But and I have to ask, because I think, like you said, your rhythm was there from trampoline going into springboard diving, like learning the rhythm, rhythm of the board. Do you also in trampoline, you have to like spot really well, like have that air awareness, like looking at the trampoline, don't you? I'm, I'm just imagining that transferred well also, because for me as a gymnast, I didn't spot in gymnastics. That's something I had to learn as a diver. Yeah, that's something actually that came the easiest, which was unique, I think, coming into diving because a lot of people train in the belts to really learn that. But, you know, when I was competing on trampoline, you have 10 skills in each routine. So, and you can end up on the other end of the trampoline and need to be back into the center and within the next skill. And so you're always having to use your visual awareness to spot where you are and, you know, make changes based, based on where you are. And so I learned that through trampoline and that actually really progressed well into my diving career. And yeah, so I think that was really the number one takeaway from my trampoline career that I was able to carry into diving. That is so cool. And I, I do have to just geeking out a little bit more on the like, <laughs> you know, details of, of the acrobatic sports. Like when now as a springboard diver, like, do you ever have trouble riding the board or are you just always on because you understand that feel so well? That actually has been one of the biggest struggles in diving that I've had. Really? So I've had two big struggles is learning how to make a proper entry And also learning how to get the rhythm and the timing with the springboard because also trampoline is very quick twitch muscle work. And so you have to, you know, you land on the trampoline and you take off right away. It just springs you back up. And with the springboard in diving, um, it takes time to actually wait for the rhythm of the board to, you know, to go down and you have to wait for that down part. And then it takes a while for it to come back up. And so learning that has been a struggle. And, uh, you know, actually I competed platform in 2016 Olympic trials because we weren't quite there yet with springboard. And my, my coach had always said, 
give it time because springboard diving as a springboard diver, you need time uh, to develop the the skill of it. And so in 2016 at Olympic trials, we chose to really focus my energy and commitment to platform, uh, which, you know, what you did. So, you know, all about this <laughs> and, you know, that was what we had the most chances in and making the 2016 Olympic team. I knew I wasn't there yet. It was really, we just go there and kind of gamble at that point is like how I felt in 2016. But you know, stepping back from 10 meter platform uh, and then focusing on springboard into uh, the 2020 uh, Olympic trials, I had more time to develop the skill of springboard diving. And so, you know, we just chose to put all of our focus into it. And and that's what, you know, ended up working out. And, and now, now we're here. <laughs> I love it. Well, walk me through your college career a little bit because you started as a walk-on, ended up as a full scholarship athlete. And during that time, you're also learning, like you said, platform, but you guys don't have a platform at your school. So walk me through those kind of early days. Yeah. So I came into the team and uh, actually I came in mid-semester, so in January, and I had to learn all my springboard dives for one meter, three meter before conference in February. Oh my goodness. Stepping on in January, going to training trip. We always go to training trip somewhere that has a platform. So we ended up at Orlando, Florida uh, for my first training trip. And my coach said, get up there, go, go try. You know, you're, (laughs) (laughs) I did one lineup and, and then she said, why don't we do front two and a half tuck? And we don't really know how to do a running approach. So I just did it standing. (laughs) Nice. And so that was my first dive that I did up there. And then, you know, I'm starting to like the height of the platform and it was easy for me because it's, you know, solid, there's no, no movement. Uh, So Dives seem like, okay, this is pretty easy to to learn dives off of here. And I know where I'm at in the air, so that helped too. And so we just developed actually a full platform list, not 10 meter at that point. It was only five meter. And I stepped into conference that year and finished, I think my highest place was like 17th. I almost made it into the consolation finals in my first month of diving on the college. That's amazing. (laughs) That was pretty surprising for me. I was just, you know, it gave me a little bit of hope and sparked more excitement for me for the next season. And so we just kept you know, training and my coach did a lot of work with me, you know, in the pool, but also outside of the pool because she needed to change a lot of my habits from trampoline so I could learn the body movements and mechanics of diving. And so we did a lot of my training outside of the water. And I mean, that next season I came in and I started gaining more dives from seven meter and, and just kept moving up and, I think I had my first 10 meter dive from platform my sophomore year and that got me excited. And so she, my coach is, I, she's coming up with it. But, but at this point I have to, how often are you actually doing platform at this point? Right. So that's kind of <laughs> the trick of, yeah, we don't have a platform at our school, like you said. And so we would travel to go to Stanford University. How far is that? Oh, by flight. Take a flight. So it's like a 35 minute flight. It's very quick. But we do this about once a month when we're on college season. So I would say about 
five times per year. It's not very much, uh, <laughs> really. No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> so yeah, in the meantime, my coach and I would just be dreaming about what, what the next dive it is we're going to learn. And when we go to Stanford, we're, it was always about learning new things. <laughs> was this scary to you at all or was it just exciting? Are you the crazy person who just thought it was awesome? No, it was pretty scary. I remember getting into the car, driving to the airport, just thinking about the dives that I have to learn, <laughs> you know, what the trip before me is going to consist of. And those trips for me were very nerve wracking. But, you know, I'm lucky I had my team that also has to go through that same thing with me. They were all older than me. And so they know how these Stanford training trips work. And, you know, they were there to support me during that time and, you know, give me encouragement. And, you know, I think the biggest thing was just trusting my coach because I knew that she uh, has the knowledge and and the skill to teach me whatever it is I'm learning. And I have, I have the talent to try it and it only takes me trying it to learn something new. So, you know, I think uh, knowing that things were progressing so quickly and I was learning so fast, it was, it was kind of just a fast track of learn all my dives on 10 meters. So then we're looking ahead towards competing for USA diving at that time. And so there's always little motivations along the way. Like if you get a full 10 meter list, you can compete internationally for USA diving. And so it just kind of kept sparking my interest. And I think that's kind of what kept me going. I mean, there was a lot of prayer in the midst of all of this too, because I'm nervous and fearful of getting up there on 10 meter and, and trying a new dive. Luckily, Stanford has bubbles. So oh, nice. Nice. I didn't have those growing up. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. oh, I feel bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, school of hard knocks there. But uh, well, I love that. And I what you said kind of reminds me of like when I was learning my dives. Granted, I grew up with a platform um, when I first started, but we were I was in a group of ex-gymnasts and we were all learning together. And it was you know, it was exciting and scary, like what you're saying. And in a way, it's a little traumatic. But I think when you're going through that with people, it's kind of like trauma bonding. You know what I mean? So it's, <laughs> it's so true. There's, there's not very many people who totally can understand that and feel for you in that way unless they've done it, too. And so to have a crew around you um, supporting you, you know, as well as a coach you trust, like that's that's such a great little, you know, bubble. <laughs> this is true. I'm going to keep that trauma bonding. Trauma bonding. There you go. <laughs> my, my my young kids need to know that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's why it's always good to learn stuff in groups because everybody's going through the same stuff. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> now, how far into school were you when the 2016 trials happened? Were you already done with school or were you still in it? So I graduated in 2016. And then, yeah, so I entered into USA Diving actually in 2015 was my first ever USA Diving meet. Wow. In the very next year, you're at trials. Like, that's incredible. Right. And actually, before that Olympic trials, we took a month-long training trip to China. So I had access to the platform every day. 
And that was a huge shock to my mind and my body. But in all honesty, that was the trip that made me stronger as a as a diver, as a person. And I gained a little bit more consistency because we had a whole month long um, training tower. But it was a shock to my body because I had never dove platform all the time. And to step into somewhere that has, we have access to it every day. My coach was, you know, balancing it one day springboard, one day platform and back and forth. But I was still very sore every single day stepping into into practices. And so, but it really actually that time, that month long time, I, I lost a lot of weight because those training facilities in China are very hot and humid. And it was just always constantly sweating. And, you know, it was hard training. My, my coach and I were training four hours, five hours a day sometimes. And so it was just a lot, but my whole body had transformed. I got leaner. I got, you know, all of, I think my bulkiness from, from gymnastics. Now I've like leaned out as a diver and I look more like a diver after this, which is pretty (laughs) unique. So that was really, I think the turning point into, you know, a professional uh, athlete. And I think that, you know, as much as I look back on that trip and I'm like, that was the hardest training of my life. Um, I was away from my family and friends. I was taken into just living, breathing and diving, you know, I think that was hard, but I also look back on that training trip specifically. And I know that that's part of what brought me to where I am today as an Olympian. So, so it is pretty cool. Well, tell me a little bit more about that training trip. I mean, was it just you and Jen Lee or were there other athletes from the U S or just were you training with the Chinese team or like, tell me a bit, a little bit more about the dynamics. Yes, it was just me and coach. And so this was hard too. I mean, it was, we roomed together because I don't know Chinese. I can't like wander the streets alone really without her. And so we did everything together, which brought us closer, but it also really brought us farther apart too, in the sense that, okay, you're, you're coach and I'm athlete. And I think, you know, I, I really gained a whole other level of respect for my coach at that time because I really saw how respected she is amongst all the Chinese coaches and athletes. Everybody knows her when we go there, uh, which is pretty amazing. And so we lived in the hotel, which was just a couple steps away from the training facility. And I trained alongside the the Chinese team in Shanghai. And so it was really cool to be able to watch uh, the little ones train. And, you know, you, you watch, they're so young. They come straight from, see, sometimes you see them walk in with their parents. Um, it's maybe their first day of practice. And those kids go through hard training and getting to see really how Chinese train is, is unique. For me, it really made me appreciate my sport and my country and, and our freedom to choose to be able to do sports. And in China, it's very different. I mean, they're, they're chosen because of, you know, their parents' body type. And they think that, you know, this child can be a really good diver one day. And so they, they pluck them from their, their family, bring them to the training facility. And basically then they live in the dorms away from their families. They only get them, get to see them maybe once a year. And so 
you know, seeing them train really gave me a lot of insight into how lucky I am and how lucky I am to be there to train with them too. I mean, it was really great to train alongside the best of the best athletes in the world and and watch how they train. And Were you going through the workouts with them too? Like, were you guys doing some of the same stuff or just training at the same time? I would say mostly training at the same time. My coach is Chinese. And so she has a lot of the same training stuff that she, that the other kids are doing, but I wasn't doing it um, with them, but I did get a lot of spotting in the belt done. And so this was when I was just trying to gain more consistency with my dives and I can't do all like a bunch of numbers uh, in the water because it just takes a toll on your body. And so I would do a lot of things on the trampoline where the coaches, you know, he's got the the belt and he's spotting me and every, I do all my dives there. Um, so we did a lot of that and it was great to be able to watch other athletes do that too. So I could learn from them. Yeah. And then in the water, I mean, watching them just go, go, go. And I'm just like trying to breathe, you know, <laughs> I understand that feeling. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and for those um, listening that don't know diving very well, I'm just going to kind of reiterate something that Krista keeps hitting on is that when you transition a platform, and even if you've been on platform a while, it's, it's a totally different dynamic than springboard. It's easier in the sense that you don't have to worry about working with the springboard and waiting for that timing to throw you in the air. Like you get to totally control your takeoffs, but you hit the water at about 30 to 35 miles an hour. And so it's kind of like hitting a brick wall. I know it's water. Everybody thinks it's soft, but it feels like hitting a brick wall even when you go in correctly. So it takes a big toll on your body. You can only do so many dives off the top per day. And a lot of times you need a day or two in between to recover. So it's a totally different dynamic. So doing that for a month straight when you're used to only going once a month, is going to be, <laughs> like you said, totally different. It's going to, just like you said, I'm, I'm not surprised it reshaped your body in a lot of ways. And so what was that experience at the 2016 trials? Like you went in going, this is kind of what experience building for the next time, right? So what, how did you feel in there and what did you take away? Yeah, that really was experience building for me. You know, coming into it, I was just so excited to be on that stage in my diving career because at that point I had only been diving for three years. And I think, you know, feeling grateful that I was even there in the first place and knowing that, you know, I have kind of a slight chance, but really this is an inside look as to what 2020 Olympic trials are going to look like for me, because I I knew that I wasn't at my peak, obviously, at that point, and I knew that there was still more in the sport for me. And so going to the 2016 Olympic trials was really, you know, a whole new arena to be in divers that I'm competing against that, you know, are the best in in our country. And so that was an honor for me. And, you know, my coaches always said, learn from the other divers, you know, when you're not diving, watch them and learn from them and take little pieces away from their diving that you like and, you know, watch competitors compete. And Cassidy Cook was a, a diver that I was looking up to on springboard at that time because, you know, we were already kind of thinking that I, I could have a a shot with springboard later in my diving career. So I was both watching springboard and platform to take little snippets out of these athletes. And, you know, she's a great competitor and I, I watch the way that she competes and cheers for her teammates. And, and I love that. And, you know, I also go back on many international diving competitions and I watch international divers compete 
Um, so I'm, you know, I'm learning and I'm growing and I'm watching. And I think that was the biggest takeaway for me from the trials is just, you know, feeling like I, I fit in, you know, but I know that there's still more in me and I still need to learn more in order to get to that point. And so the migration then after that trials down to Springboard, were you going to keep Diving Platform for a while or was it kind of like, okay, that's just too hard? Like um, just physically because you guys didn't have a facility. At that point, uh, we really took a step back from Platform because, you know, my coach and I had a conversation about it and we said, you know, what do you think? Like, do you want to continue Platform or do you want to transition into trying to see where Springboard takes you? And you know, for me, I'm just, I'm still so new. I'm like, well, what do you think? (laughs) And so she, she, from her experience, she said, you know, I really do think that you just need more time and development in on springboard. And maybe we just focus a lot of our energy and time onto doing that and just getting you uh, with the timing of the board and, and go from there. And so, yeah, we really did take a step back from, from platform uh, at that time. And and then springboard started to pick up and I was competing it um, at all the nationals and getting better and better with consistency on that event and starting to love it and love it more and more as I was doing it. And so, you know, I think springboard is really cool because it does take a lot of my trampoline background the springboard is very similar to trampoline and I can do a lot of uh, the same skills that I would typically do on, on a trampoline as well. And so uh, for me that it really stuck that I was like, okay, this is a new shot. Let's, let's go all in, you know, you gotta be hundred percent all in. And so, you know, I was really happy that my coach was willing to coach me after my college career and continue coaching me all the way up until where we are now. And we just kept growing and growing. So yeah. Well, I love it. And and that transition was a smart move. I mean, you made the next two world championships right after that, 20, 2017, 2019. And how, how is this adjustment? Because you've graduated college, you're now diving, really to focus on diving, but how are you, you know, making ends meet to like keep all that lifestyle going? Like, what does that part of the journey look like? It's a great question. I mean, because now um, college stipend is done. And so I'm not able to really support my own living through that. I think I've been really lucky with, you know, friends and family that have really helped me along the way to make sure that, you know, I can still make a living and be able to do what I love to do. And, And they saw potential in me too, which gave me a lot of encouragement and uh, confidence going through it. But I had then picked up with coaching during that time. So I was coaching our club team and that's really majority of like where I got money in order to survive and make a living. (laughs) So I was starting to see things from a coaching perspective, which actually helped me as an athlete as well, because I am so ingrained in, in myself as an athlete and what coach tells me, but watching it, seeing it from the other perspective and coaching athletes really has allowed me to see it from a coach's perspective of, okay, now I have to think about how to change and correct that rather than being just told to do that. So stepping into the coaching world has really helped me in that way. And Yeah. So that really helped me, um, I think going forward, but I put everything into it. And I think that's the biggest thing as an athlete is to make all the sacrifices 
you have this big dream and I've learned along the way, maybe I haven't made enough sacrifices and I ended up, you know, with injuries or or whatever. So I think this time around, I know that I have chances. And so I think learning to make those sacrifices and put things aside that are not good for me, for my health, for my mentality, choosing to be around the right people. And, um, you know, I think people that support me and motivate me and rather than the ones that, you know, are pulling me back saying, let's go out, let's go party. And so I think that's been a big learning lesson as I transition into from a college athlete to now a professional athlete is just to really pay attention to everything that surrounds me as an athlete and what's going to help me achieve my dream. And so Yeah, that was one of the big learning lessons I think I learned going into being a professional athlete then. Yeah, it can be a big transition. And and I I love that you picked up coaching, you know, to make ends meet. But yet, like you said, it really begins to open your eyes and make you think differently about how things work. Like technically as a diver, my my coach, Kenny, always says, like, if you're struggling with something, start coaching some kids because it's going to help you figure out how to make those changes because you're trying to help other people make those changes. It's really incredible what that does. So if you're struggling, work on teaching somebody and that can actually help you in turn also. I love it. So that's a win-win, right? (laughs) Yes. That's great. Good coaches know that. (laughs) Right. So what are your world championship experiences like? So my first ever international competition was world championships in 2017. And I qualified individually, which I was just like, what just happened? Like, (laughs) And so I stepped into this um, experience that I had never had before. And it was really high level. And I was, I was a bit nervous. I mean, I, I remember going to world championships and, you know, feeling like I was ready. And then I got there and I watched all the other divers go. And I was just thinking, wow, their dives are amazing. You know, I'm watching China go and, you know, Australia and all these other countries around me that are ripping their entries. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, do I deserve to be here? And there was a lot of kind of inner turmoil that I had just standing up there and and training. And so I was already putting a lot of pressure on myself because I had had those feelings of doubt. And, you know, I think that was really a great learning lesson for me. Um, I didn't end up performing well at all. I, I don't know what happened on my 5154. I think I slipped out of it or something like I actually don't know what happened. And so I didn't make it past prelims. And so that was really like, a, it shook me a little bit. And so I also competed in the team event um, where I got an opportunity to dive with uh, David Dinsmore. We It's a, a mixed team event. So I do, I'm mostly springboard diver at that time. And so I do two dives on springboard and I'm required to do one dive, uh, a basic dive from 10 meter platform. And then he does the opposite. And so he does one basic dive on springboard and then he's more of a platform diver. So he does two of his harder dives on platform and together those points are added for the team event. And we ended up coming home with a bronze medal in that event. So cool. (laughs) So that was so cool. And I love that experience because I had never, you know, won an international medal at that point. And like you said, that was your first international meet. 
Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, even in trampoline, I never really came away with a medal even so uh, internationally. And so that was really a cool experience. I mean, you got, you feel like a total celebrity, you know, everybody <laughs> loves like wants to hear your story and so you go through um the the interviews it's this whole little mix zone of um different interview stations and then you have to sit in front of you know you're in a conference meeting and you're up there and anybody can ask you questions and you've got the mic up there it's just that was really cool and then going into like get the medal and you know the stand uh the podium was way high up um, above the pool deck. And oh, wow. my my family was there at that time. And I just remember watching them like they're crying. I'm crying. And it's just, it was exciting. And I'm glad actually I went through that because that, you know, carried into my success at the Olympics. And I kind of knew what to expect uh, after, you know, having gotten a bronze medal, it's like, okay, we're going to go to the conference meeting. We're going to go have interviews. So just be ready and whatnot. So that was really cool. So I had a great performance, but then I also had a very poor performance. And so coming back from that competition, I really had done a lot of uh, processing and and journaling, writing things down of what what went wrong, what, you know, what I learned, what was my mentality going into this event. And, you know, I, I really learned that I had put a lot of pressure on myself and nobody else did it, that I was the one that did it to myself. And so that was my biggest takeaway of, you know, looking back at it, I wish I would have gone into that competition and just stood up on the platform like, yes, I qualified to be here. And so I think going forward, that's kind of the the mentality that I had at all my other international competitions. It's, you know, kind of stay in my own zone. I think, you know, you can watch other divers and cheer for good dives, but also remember to, you know, don't get too distracted by that and keep your focus on what you're doing and know that, you know, you qualified to be there. You earn that spot. And that, you know, helped me going forward into the next competitions that I've had. Well, I love that you journaled and processed it too. Like nobody, a lot of people wait for the coach to tell them what to do or the coach to tell them how it went. And so I, I love that you just took matters in your own hands. We're like, I'm going to process this and figure out what was going on and just kind of, I, I just think that's such a good thing. Because first of all, it's just kind of venting too and just unloading the good, the bad, and the you know ugly or whatever into words and just getting it out. Because when we hold on to stuff, it can fester in weird ways. And so I love that you got it out and then you were able to kind of look through it and be like, okay, this is really what happened. This was kind of my, you know, the the good or the bad, you know, this is what happened and this is what I should take away. This is what I should change. Um, I think that's really, really smart. And I think everybody should do that, whether you had a great meet or a terrible meet. I think it's great to journal it because you want to figure out what you did right and what you need to do better. <laughs> you know, so this is true. Yeah. So good or bad, I think it's really, really smart to to walk through that process um, to continue learning, to continue growing and, and improve upon where you were. So what was the difference then going into 2019 worlds? Going into 2019 worlds, uh, I qualified in uh synchro and this was actually kind of a, a weird meet for me because my coach was not able to go with me, um, to world championships. And 
there's been many competitions now that she hasn't been able to go to. And, and actually those times have really taught me how to be independent as a diver, which, you know, I've, I've really grown from. Um, but also I was, out of, you know, my natural rhythm. And so I had another coach coach me while I was there. And, you know, it was, it was just hard. It was also, I was doing synchronized. And so I'm having to kind of um, shuffle between my synchronized partners, coach, and my new coach that I never have worked with. And so <laughs> it was a, a battle of, of communication and trying to make sure that, you know, we, we were on the same team and, and it was hard. It was really hard for me. Um, and I just wasn't feeling like my dives were coming together at that time. And, you know, I, we went into prelims and my partner, Allison Gibson and I, we came out in fifth place going into finals. And so that gave us actually a lot of confidence because, you know, we were like, wow, okay, we actually performed pretty well. I, I still had a missed dive in prelims that we still came out fifth place and um, we're now into finals, which is cool. And so going into finals, um, each, like, I guess, international competition, I've learned so much from. Um, and this one, I had a missed hurdle on one of my dives and and my my dive that followed barely made it to the water head first. <laughs> and so yet again, like I've had another, you know, missed competition. And, you know, I felt bad because I'm letting my teammate down who's competing with me. She dove really well. And um it was it was heartbreaking for me because, you know, it was just a missed step hurdle that, you know, it was a freak accident kind of that happened, but it happens. And so you know, I also took time to process after all that went down. And, you know, I was just thinking what, what was going through my mind before I stepped onto the board. And I remember having so many distractions. I was, you know, looking at the judges and watching like them, they've got their scorecards up and, and it, it put pressure on me. I was watching coaches down on the, the stands and like thinking, oh my gosh, like, these are coaches that have coached at Olympic games before. And, you know, then I'm, I'm diving with Allison and, you know, we're, we're high-fiving and, um, you know, trying to have fun, but it felt kind of forced for me. It, it was unique actually. And so I think realizing kind of my, my mind was not, my focus was not narrowed in on what I was doing. It was around all the surrounding things happening around me. And I got distracted and, you know, I think, um, processing that it was, you know, that was a hard competition. And, um, that was actually the last competition I've had before competing in, in the Olympic games or Olympic trials and then the Olympic games this year. So I really needed to learn from that and, you know, not necessarily get dragged down by, you know, the failure of it, but, you know, being, stepping into kind of that failure and learning from it and then growing from it and taking the next step into the next chapter and just, you know, facing what happened. It, it was that, um, but, you know, now, now it's an, a new competition. And so I say both of these, cause I think every athlete has poor competitions that, you know, they're really disappointed in, but, you know, these competitions were actually, the ones that I've learned and grown the most from. Um, and so I think, you know, as much as I look back and their disappointment uh, competition for me, I also look back and I'm like, 
but that's actually what brought me to where I am today and what I've learned today. So yeah, that competition, we also did the team event and then we got the bronze medal there too. So um, <laughs> nice. it was, it was the, the good, good, bad again, but, um, the, the experience of world championship is unlike any other competition because it's all aquatic sports and, you know, we're all there together. And, you know, those world championships, we could go and watch other events. And that was really cool to experience. I got to see synchronized swimming and like a a few other sports while I was there. It's um, like a little taste of the Olympics. It's like a kind of a mini Olympics and aquatic Olympics. (laughs) It absolutely is because you also have opening ceremonies too. And so you don't like, we didn't walk in opening ceremonies, but we got to watch the whole thing. And that is truly remarkable, that experience. So it is a mini Olympics. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so this is the note you're ending on before 2020 devolves into the worldwide pandemic and the Olympics get postponed for the first time ever. How how did you kind of pivot and readjust and walk into this next like really almost two years? Um, and then you absolutely came at the 2021 trials and dominated at trials on springboard and synchro. So I, I want to hear kind of what you went through and how you walked through that to come back so confidently. Right. Well, I mean, in between the last world championships that I competed in and Olympic trials, so that's 2019 to 2021. I mean, obviously we all know there's the pandemic that we've faced and there was a lot of, of really like downtime and, and time away from the pool because our pool got shut down. And, you know, those, those were just trials and adversities that, that I had faced as an athlete. And so my mentality through all my injuries really helped me through the pandemic because it was, you know, really be stronger than you were before the injury. And, you know, coming into the pandemic, it, I could see it two different ways. I could see it as a disappointment and as a setback, or I could see it as, you know, an opportunity and uh, an area to grow or and another year of training, which is really beneficial for me because I'm still a new diver and I need actually the time to develop even more consistency. And so I really chose to look at it that way and, and took that mentality from the injury standpoint and said, you know, hey, I'm going to be stronger than I was before the pandemic. And if I can come out with, you know, a, even the slightest win with that, that I think I'll have a little step above my competitors there. And, you know, I didn't want to, you know, come back and get an injury or anything. So I obviously wanted to keep my strength there. And so during the pandemic and during the pool shutdowns, uh, we, we took a map from the pool. And so we were training in my friend's apartment doing fast somersaults. (laughs) (laughs) And so we were doing yeah flips in my friend's apartment. And, you know, this was, uh, to keep our, our mind in, in the water, basically we're not in the water, but at least keep our minds there. And so we were doing that. And then I also had a friend that had a barbell with some weights. And so she had a a huge carpet that we laid out in her neighborhood and we lifted weights during that time. And so just finding those little pieces of resources that I could utilize as an athlete and, you know, develop my strength because now I'm a little bit older of an athlete and I can't handle as much training as what I could handle when I was younger. Um, And I've, 
this year has been a huge learning lesson in regards to that. Um, and, you know, I've learned that actually I really have a hard time lifting weights uh, while I'm also being training diving um, because, you know, my knee, my knee issues are, are still with me. I, I train actually now with a torn ACL in my knee. It's something that's just there, you know, it, it's a little lack of stability, but my biggest thing is if I keep it strong and all the muscles around my knee strong, then I don't have as much issues with it. So it's always a constant battle of, you know, okay, my knee is bothering me. Okay. That probably means I need to be stronger right now. But then balancing Um, that to not negate from the training. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And, uh, so it's, yeah, it's been a learning, uh, growth process this past year. And I've, I've dealt with an injury, when I came back into diving, I actually got back into it too quick. And, you know, I, I told myself I wasn't going to do this, but you know, you come back and you're all excited to, to start back up with your sport and you want to get going. And, and I rushed into it and I, I, I don't know, developed this hip injury. And so actually before trials leading into it, I wasn't able to do that many hurdles. I was doing all my dives from jumping. And as much as I thought this was going to hurt me, I think it helped me more than anything because it actually helped me learn the timing and the rhythm of the board better than doing all my dives from my hurdle. Interesting. So it's been kind of a unique year. And, you know, I, I really came into each practice knowing, okay, I might not be able to get everything done, but let's at least get done quality work rather than focusing so much on quantity. And I think that's how my mentality's changed this past year. Um, but then, you know, things started to get closer to trials and I was starting to be able to do a little bit more hurdles because I was strengthening the, up the hip, doing some uh, rehab for it and stuff. So I was able to do hurdles um, and I need to do be, be able to do hurdles because with my synchronized partner, we, we can't match up jumping together. We need to match up our dives from hurdles. And so I was really, you know, grateful that I was starting to be able to do some more hurdles and starting to get back into that. And I say more hurdles. I really was only limited to maybe 10 hurdles a day. Oh, wow. That's not very many. Very low numbers. Yeah. And, you know, I think that time was hard for me mentally, but I really just needed to trust my coach, trust my training and um, going into Olympic trials. I mean, at that point, I think... I knew I was ready, but I didn't know how ready I was going to be compared to everybody else because this whole year has been crazy. So I don't know how their training has been, if their pools were shut down. And, you know, I think everybody was in a different position with how the pandemic has affected them. And so I just went into it trusting our training that we'd done and knowing that, you know, we finally get to compete. And I was excited to go into Olympic trials. And you've told me this before. You love to compete, don't you? I do. I love <laughs> to compete. For me, it's a performance. You know, I love I love getting out there and just showing off what I love to do. And, you know, my family got to be there. And I I love the energy that, you know, comes from them. And your parents them. are so cute. Yeah. They're so cute. They, they drive <laughs> all my competitions because... Yeah, my dad works for a trucking company and 
you know, he, it routes him to all my competitions. And so he, he gets to work along the way and they route him to get to all my competitions, which are mostly on the East coast. So, and my mom travels with him, so they get to do that together and they, they just love it. Um, (laughs) that's so cool. I love that. Yeah. I mean, they are a huge part of my career. You know, they've, they've really been there through, all the good times and all my really hard times too, and just have supported me and motivated me and, you know, been here for me through it all. So I'm glad that they got to be there at the Olympic trials to just, you know, watch and experience me just achieving my lifelong dream of being an Olympian. Oh yeah. I, I mean, and that's, <laughs> and that experience and seeing your name, what was it like seeing your name go up on the wall? Cause there's this tradition for those that don't know it, when the Olympic trials are in Indianapolis at IUPUI, we get to, if you qualify for the team, you get your name painted up on the wall. And I, it wasn't until my third Olympic trials that we actually had them in Indianapolis. So I could actually get my name on the wall, but <laughs> you, you got that experience. And how cool is that to see that? And it's becoming like your dream, your lifelong dream is becoming reality. What is that feeling? Right. Well, actually, during while they painted our names on the wall, uh, I was having to get drug tested with uh, (laughs) Allison. Oh, no. So so I didn't get to see them painting our names on the wall. But what was cool, um, I had told them kind of that, hey, I didn't get to see you guys paint our names up there. Can we actually get up there? And so they have that little machine where it takes the the person up there Uh um, that Allison and I both got to be on and they raised us all the way up to our names. And so we got to touch them, which is really cool. cool. That is so cool. (laughs) Yeah. So that was wonderful. And you know, I, I think that was cool, but I also think something else is a little bit cooler. I, uh, I received my Olympic ring from a person named Laura Wilkinson. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I'll, I'm going to start the story and you can finish it, but there's a tradition in our sport where when someone makes their first Olympic team, an Olympian on deck will take off their Olympic ring because we get this this ring from USA Diving when we qualify. We take off our ring and we give it to that brand new Olympian and kind of welcome them to the team. And Krista had just made it and she's walking around the corner. I wanted to hug her and I was like, I was looking around. I'm like, I don't know who's going to give her a ring. So I just ripped mine off and like threw it in her hand as she was running by. <laughs> it was so awesome. It is so great. So I didn't know your side of the story. There. Um, <laughs> and I mean, you, you like kind of grabbed me to turn me back around. Cause there's just so much commotion going on. Oh yeah. You know, I, I looked at you and I looked down, you you're handing me this ring and I'm, I just looked up at you. I was like, you're giving it to me. (laughs) I was so cute. It was just, for me, it was a huge honor to receive it from you. I mean, and that's actually, that was my lucky charm. I carried it with me to Tokyo because, (laughs) you know, you are an uh, Olympic uh, champion. And so I was like, I'm bringing her ring to to Tokyo, no matter, because I know we're going to get our own Olympic ring when we get there. But uh, actually, Jin Lee also told me, you need to take her ring with you. And I was like, yes, I certainly do. (laughs) (laughs) That's so awesome. So that was just a beautiful, beautiful moment for me um, to receive it from you. And, you know, you're telling the story. I'm still getting chills because it's special for me. (laughs) It's special for all of us. And the look on your face was just priceless, too, when you said you're giving it to me because I didn't know what to do about the tradition. I never know who knows 
knows and who doesn't. But I just wanted to make sure before you got on that award stand, because you were you were going down the deck pretty fast and everybody was stopping you. So I just wanted to make sure you had one. And then I had to get, yeah, it's, it was just super, super awesome. Um, and I love that you took it with you to Tokyo. And so I do want to talk about Tokyo. I know you've got so many great things in your story, but obviously Tokyo is a very, very big deal. But this was not an Olympics like past Olympics. And maybe it didn't affect you because you this is your first Olympics. Um, I, I know I've talked to um, Olympians that have been to multiple and they said it was definitely different not having family, not having crowds. It was very strange. But then I've heard a lot of first-time Olympians saying, well, it was this amazing Olympic experience. It was awesome, which is great. I just want to know from your perspective, what was the dynamic like for you in particular? Right. So I think uh, really, I mean, going into it, we knew there was going to be adversity. We knew there was going to be some turn of events. And I definitely knew that there was a possibility that family was not going to be able to be there. This definitely was heartbreaking for me. Uh, I love having my family there and getting them, getting, making sure that they're there and, you know, to experience the successes with me and, that was kind of heartbreaking when I first heard the news. Um, but then I also really thought about, it. I was like, well, you know, this is going to affect many athletes. It's not just affecting me. And so going further with that is, you know, I, I definitely need to, you know, focus on, on what we do have and that, that this Olympic games is just a postponement and not a cancellation. And, to me, that was, I mean, really cool. Already having my family there to be able to watch me qualify for the Olympic Games was so special. So um, I think, yes, it was strange when I got there and, you know, the stands, you know, you look around and really it was an Olympic Games just for media because they were all filming and media crews everywhere on the left side. And then on the right side, it was, you know, all the teams have their flags and where they're sitting. So I guess what I was just holding on to was the fact that my teammates and USA teammates can be there cheering me on. And I think that's all I needed to know that at least somebody was going to be cheering. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and our USA uh, team members really cheered loud. And so you that- guys had, you guys did an amazing job cheering. Uh, yeah, that was, <laughs> that was pretty cool to see. I we we love to dress up for each thing. We were matching with our clothing every day and you know, it was we made it a a thing to really cheer as loud as we can and make it as exciting as possible. Um so that to me was what I held on to. And yeah, like you say it was my first Olympic game, so I don't know what it was going to be like stepping into into it. Um, when I first got there, oh my gosh, it was so overwhelming. I was, uh, just like blown away by how much like stimulus from everywhere I was getting. And I didn't quite expect that. I think (laughs) as much as you can be told or to prepare for that, I don't think you can ever prepare for that until you're, you're there experiencing it. But I think for me, what keeps me grounded is, um, reading the Bible and getting my time with God. And, you know, I, I really had all these distractions going on. And so that is what, you know, kind of narrowed my focus a little bit more as um, time was going on. Um, I was just coming back to God's word and, you know, just getting time with him, time in solitude. And 
um, that's actually what helped keep me sane, I think. Yeah. <laughs> because it is very overwhelming, but it's, it's really cool. It's beautiful. The experience and, you know, living in the athlete village and being surrounded by the country's best uh, or the world's best athletes uh, is really cool and exciting and seeing Olympic rings everywhere you walk, like all of that. But yes, it can be very overwhelming. So, well, I, and I love that you share because I know f- your faith is very important to you. Um, and I love that 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 is just obviously the first thing you went to to keep you grounded. I think that's uh, awesome, awesome lesson. And I mean, your Olympics did not quite start. I don't think the way you wanted on several levels. I know synchro wasn't what you guys were hoping for because um, you guys did amazing in Olympic trials. And I know this just wasn't quite the same. And then the prelims individually didn't start off well either. So take me through how this kind of started and how it changed. You know, the Olympic Games is very different than trials because at trials, we had to compete three lists for synchro and we had to do three lists of dives for individual. And so coming into the Olympic Games, we were given one shot to do a finals round in synchro. So it was, it was go time. And, you know, I think that's a really big learning lesson for us for the next time. Um, just being able to, you know, know that, you know, I think this is really the one chance that we get and, you know, make sure that we kick all the the nerves out in practices before and, yeah, so that was really a unique experience um, that I don't know if either Allison or I was expecting. And I think going into it, for some reason, I didn't feel any nerves for synchro because, you know, I love competing with Allison. Her and I just have such a great time and we love to laugh and have fun. And we're just, I just feel like we're such a team. And I think that was her only event. And so it was a lot of focus on on making that one count for her. And so we were in, in the zone with each other and that was cool. But I I did feel like there was a little bit of disconnect of like, okay, we only have five dives. Like it goes by so fast and whatnot. And so the dives, you know, they, they weren't there that day. They didn't come together as we would have liked. And, you know, that's okay. I mean, we're at, we know that we're a team stepping into that event and we're a team stepping out of that event, whether the results are good or bad. And so, you know, I, we both supported each other really well through that and, and whatnot, and hopefully we'll be able to give it another go for the next one. But um, yeah, then stepping into individual, I actually did have a lot of nerves, which I (laughs) didn't expect. I kept telling myself, okay, you got all your nerves out for the synchro event. You'll be fine. And Oh man, I stepped on the board for individual and I looked down at my legs and I was like, I don't even feel them. Are you there? Oh man. And I just, I felt like my heart was jumping out of my chest. You know, I was going to put my arms up to do my dive and I just felt like my whole arm, like hands and arms were just going to be shaking because that's just how everything felt inside my body. And so I did have quite a bit of nerves for prelims and you know, I really kind of forgot about how I like to compete. And I like, I do like to smile. I like to listen to music and dance and have fun. That's just as a diver, you need to be relaxed while you compete um, as much as you can and let all the pressure go. And so 
prelims, yeah, was a little shaky for me. And I was just right on the bubble to make it into semifinals, barely did. And um, I was 15th and I needed to be top 18 to make it through. And so I just slid in there, I felt like. And so, you know, the next day uh, is a fresh start, which was great for me um, because I knew that, you know, scores start at zero. And so coming into the next day, then I had this different mentality of, oh, I get another chance, you know, and like I always do, I process and I journal after the event. And so there were a couple of things that I wrote down that, you know, okay, this did not help me. And then what, what do I need to do differently tomorrow? And, you know, a few of the things were just smile more, you know, listen to your, like, I have this playlist called forever young. And so it's just a bunch of like, music I listened to in middle school and high school <laughs> That's that awesome. just like kicks like a spark of joy. In mm-hmm. me. And so, yeah, there were just a couple of things that I was like, all right, well, we made it through today. And so what to go into tomorrow with? And so, um, I felt like I was much more equipped and, and ready for the next day and definitely grateful. I made it past that point. So I was smiling a bit more and, and whatnot. And, you know, I had a pretty good semifinals there, I, I would say four out of my five dives, I still could have done better. And I ended up finishing fifth place. And so I that gave me a little bit of confidence knowing that I can still do better on almost all my dives for tomorrow. And again, it's a fresh start the next day. And our event was very unique because it was um, day like three days in a row at the same time. So Um, That was good for me, though, because it was a consistent schedule and I got rest after each list that I did. And so I just came back into finals. And I mean, the night before I I was praying and just, you know, talking to God about it and just grateful and humbled that I'm already there. And I, you know, said, I know with you anything's possible. And I know that you know, you call us to ask you anything in prayer and you'll give us the desires of our hearts. And I choose to believe that. And so I, I prayed the big prayers. I said, you know, I I pray one day, God, that, you know, together we can be an Olympic medalist and, you know, I'm ultimately going to be okay with your will at the end of the day, whether that's, you know, not going to happen. My dream of that may not be your will for me and that's okay, but I believe that with you, anything's possible. And so right after that prayer, I was like, I visualize tomorrow happening. And in my mind, I, I went through dive by dive and I did the, the best dive to my ability and, you know, celebrated inside. And so I'm watching me dive the best dive list. And I watched myself step onto the podium and I watched my country's flag raise and, you know, all along, I just picture and see God above me, just helping me, give me the strength to do it and the confidence to do it. And, and it was just really cool, like to, to do that the night before. And so the next day I really went in with surreal sort of confidence and peace, just knowing that it's, it's already mapped out. It's in God's hands, what the results are. So I just need to do what I do best and have fun with it. And so I did just that. And 
Um, it was just so surprising. I was not watching results at all uh, during the event. Um, I'll, I'll look back and see my individual dive score just so I can, you know, celebrate a little bit dive by dive, but I don't watch where I'm placed. And so after I did my last dive, I stepped into the shower and I was like talking to myself, like, okay, Krista, did you die? Are you happy with how you did? I, and I was like, yes. And I was thinking, okay, did you dive your peak potential at this time? Was this your peak performance? And I said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think then I said in my, my heart, like, um, no matter I come away with a medal or not, like I'm still, I'm happy with how I did, how I performed and, um, just, yeah, I was so happy. And so I went back to my towel and then I'm starting to look up and I'm still in first, you know, I was like, okay, like obviously two Chinese above me maybe would knock me down to third, but I think, I think I meddled. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like running over to Jin Lee and I just gave her a big hug and she doesn't watch scores either. So we're both clueless as to where I am. I was going to say, I'm surprised you didn't say anything after your last dive. (laughs) Right. She, no, she doesn't watch him either. And it's pretty funny. She wants to be as calm as she can for me. And, uh, she does really good with that. And so, yeah, I went over to her and then I think at that point she, she knew that I had meddled. And so I gave her this big hug and she just held me tight and she just said, we did it. We did it. And so that's just, that was a beautiful moment. And I mean, to me, it's all surprising and surreal, but then again, I look back and I'm like, it's not because I know with God, anything's possible. And it was cool to kind of run through that in my mind before it actually happened and to really know that that was God. (laughs) God, you're so good. (laughs) (laughs) He is. Oh, my goodness. That story, it feels so similar to me because my experience is very similar to that, and including the fact that when Kenny hugged me because I had no idea what place I am, he said we did it. Same thing. And that's it's just really cool. Like the parallels we have. It's really neat to to hear because I got to watch you on TV, but I had no idea what was going on in your head or how things were playing out. And I absolutely love that. And and want to also give a big shout out to Jen Lee because I know you guys have been through so much, but she was also the first female Olympic coach for diving. And I think that is such a huge thing and couldn't happen to a better woman. Just so awesome. And that you guys did that together. Uh, I mean, and what was it like to stand on the podium? I mean, were you so, cause you were, I'm sorry, you were adorably hilarious on the podium. We were just <laughs> smiling and laughing along with you. I mean, cause you were, you just look so shocked that you were getting on the podium to get an Olympic medal. And it was so fun to watch. Right. Well, I mean, after sharing my story, it's so funny because I look back and my diving career is just so fast track. <laughs> I feel like it it was on like 1.5 speed, you know? And so it is surreal to me because, you know, I, I didn't go into the Olympic Games with any expectations because this is my first Olympic Games, but obviously I, I want to do well. And I just didn't think I would come away with a medal. And I think that was that was so surreal to me before stepping onto the podium stand. I was just shaking my head like I just what? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that was a beautiful moment. And, you know, before I went over to the podium stand, I had to gather all my things so quickly because this all just happens within a matter of, you know, maybe 10 minutes. You you realize you get a medal and then you have to stand on the podium. And so we have to carry an extra outfit because Team USA has a walkout 
outfit that you wear, but then they also have a separate podium outfit that we had to wear. And so we, I had to gather those things. And then last minute I'm thinking, oh my gosh, where's Laura Wilkinson's ring? Because I have to, <laughs> I have to wear her ring on the podium because that's my lucky charm. <laughs> that's so, so awesome. I, I brought it with me and I'm, you know, actually John, uh, one of the coaches got a video of me putting your ring on um, before walking over to the podium. And uh, that, I mean, it was an honor to receive that from you. And so I think in that way, it was just cool. I, I hope that it can be an honor that I can give back to you by, you know, wearing it on the podium stand. But I was, yeah. Oh my God. I have to tell you, I saw, I saw the pictures and I didn't know if that was my ring or one you had gotten, but like, I was kind of hoping it was mine. Cause I was like, this is so cool. How proud you were of it too. In that moment, I was like, I feel so special and connected to you. And then I think Kelly from us diving wrote me. She's like, that was your ring. I was like, Oh my goodness. So I was very excited. I felt like I was there with you a little bit. So thank you for that. That was so, so special. I love that. Yes. Well, thanks for, you know, giving me that honor and and blessing of of the ring too. So yeah, so that was just (laughs) just a real moment for me though. And now, well, now you're coming home and I'm sure things have just been nonstop craziness. Everybody wants to celebrate you. And I mean, have you had time to take a breath? Like, does it, you said you had to watch the video to like, remember that it was real, (laughs) you know, like, has it sunk in? Like, are you (sighs) exhaling at all yet? Yes. That's I, I can breathe a little bit better now, which is good. So it was really cool when I first flew into Reno, they did a whole water salute. And so the firefighters had um, their water trucks and they saluted this. So they put the hero's welcome. I don't know if you've ever heard of, um, they'll shoot water over the airplane. And so that was like my coming in, coming into, um, back to my hometown. And That's so, so cool. It's really cool. And then there was a huge airport welcome home for uh, both Jin Lee and I, and there were probably 200 people here at the airport to welcome us home. And, you know, I was so lucky because our airline had upgraded us to first class. And so nice. Coach and I both got seven and a half hours of sleep um, to be prepared for all that. <laughs> Wonderful. And um, yeah, and it just has been kind of everybody wants to celebrate doing, you know, parties or meetups and, and stuff like that. And so it's been really nice to, to do those. And yes, it's been a whirlwind and it's been a lot, um, but it has been really exciting. And now I've actually had some time to step back and take a moment to breathe, to let it soak in for myself. I think for everybody else, they watched it and they're just like sharing the excitement. And so I had to actually rewatch it to to actually believe it. So now I can believe it a little bit more. And it's just, it's really cool to kind of soak it in just a little bit each day. I love it. Well, so what does now and this next season of your life look like? Right. The future question. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So I don't think this is my peak performance as a diver. I mean, it's, it's my peak right now, but I know that there's so much more that I still have left in me. And knowing that the next Olympic Games is only three years away, it really has me thinking that I'll stick it out until 2024 and, and do it again. I, I, you know, I always have said, I'll, 
I'll continue until the day that I stop having fun or I've reached and I've reached my peak and or I guess I definitely love what I do. And if there's a day where I'm just like, okay, I don't love this anymore, then I think that's the day that I'll just throw in the white flag, you know? So Wise words. I love it. Be careful though. You might end up diving into your forties like me. <laughs> no, I think I'm, I might be one of them. <laughs> and that's okay. But you're working on something else too. You've gone back to school. Yes. I have been lucky enough to get a scholarship through Team USA um, for DeVry University. Um, They've allowed me to, you know, get back into school. And now I'm studying my MBA, which is exciting for me. And, you know, I, I began this in January of this last year and I did about four months worth of school. And then what's cool about DeVry University is they've allowed me time to take off. And so I can take off two semesters per year if need be. And so with Olympic trials and Olympic games, I really needed that time away from school to just solely focus on my sport. But now it's really great to have something that I can come back to, to study and and pursue my education further. And uh, I'm just grateful that, yeah, I can be doing that alongside of, of my sport. So there's that in the future too. <laughs> always, always learning and improving in every aspect. I love it. Well, Krista, where can we follow you online to keep up with all your journeys? Definitely through Paris 2024 and maybe for quite a few quads <laughs> to come. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. I um, Most of my social media postings are on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So my name on Instagram is Krista Palmer. And then on Twitter, it's at Palmer Krista, so opposite. And then I do have a page on Facebook because a lot of my family members like to follow mostly from Facebook. And so somebody runs this page called Cheering for Krista. And so that one's great because it gives a lot of insight as to like when competitions are happening, how to follow and and things like that. So you can follow my journey through those social media posts. Perfect. Well, we'll make sure to link to those in the show notes too, so everybody can find you. But thank you so much for taking time to share your incredible journey and the highlight this summer in Tokyo, which is just, it was so cool to hear it from your perspective, other than just seeing it on TV. So many people wrote to me and said, that was my favorite moment from the Olympics. You've got to have Krista on the podcast. And I was like, definitely. So thank you for sharing all of that with us and just being... Yeah, really open and uh, vulnerable with all the things that you faced and and how you overcame them. I think that's going to help a lot of people listening. Well, thank you too. It's been wonderful to be on your podcast. I mean, it's something your podcast has actually kept me going um, throughout this whole last year. I've I've listened to quite a few of them, uh, and they're always really motivating for me as an athlete. So it's an honor for me to be on it. (laughs) I love that. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show. This allows us to keep bringing on amazing guests, and it also helps other athletes to find this show. Make sure to check out the show notes to follow us on social media and learn more about our awesome guest. To hear all of our amazing episodes, head on over to thepursuitofgold.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Pursuit of Gold is proud to be a Podigy production. That's all for now. Make sure to tune back in next week.